Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the aftermath, the glory, the glow of the Warriors winning the NBA Finals. I'm still, I'm still in a in a state of just calm and peace and ecstatic happiness. It's great to be able to go five championships, rings, seven appearances in seven years. It's a glorious time, Raymond. Uh, before we get started, why don't you let them know where they can find us? You can like us on Facebook.com at slash the Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Goldcast underscore. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. We're also on Instagram, also under the same uh, tag or handle as at the Goldcast. And so be sure to subscribe if you do uh, iTunes, YouTube, or Stitcher. That way you'll get notifications when we go live with our new episodes. And that's the best way to stay in touch. Boom, there it is. All right, so we are going to talk NBA draft. We've got a brand new guest co-host, Jordan Chappelle. He's going to be joining us for the first time ever. Uh, Chicago native, diehard Warriors fan. Diehard Cubs fan too, but we don't hold that against him. That's all right. And we're <laughs> going to get it started. Here we go. Goldcast, let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raven Solis I, baby. Boom! And we are the voice of the Bay. And coming in for his first time ever... Fellow co- guest co-host, actor, fellow writer, amazing acting coach, Jordan Chappelle. Welcome to the Goldcast. Well, I'm uh, welcome. I'm happy to be here. Sweet. So we're going to talk, guys, NBA draft. It has been crazy. I know, Raymond, Raymond, you have not been on since the Warriors won. <laughs> you were no, noticeably absent. So, Raymond, I know you've been dying. I, I still feel like, even though it is July and it's been several weeks, I still feel like we we have earned the right to still bask in the glory and the glow and the aftermath of just an incredible NBA final series. The Warriors dominate in five games. Destruction to LeBron James. Once again, we defeat the evil Eastern Empire. And Ray, I know you wanted to say some words, so I'll hand it off to you. Well, that, that pass, that pass actually lasts all the way up until the next championship. So that's the beauty of winning. You just get to keep on celebrating until the very next finals, which the Warriors obviously have a, barring any, you know, serious injury, have a really good shot of going back, you know, for a fourth straight trip, which would be amazing. Um, But mainly just because uh, I called the game in five. I said they would win in five, and I said that they, um, I even said that they would, um, they would not lose game three. And uh, so everything happened according to plan. I would have loved to see a 16-game sweep but uh, but that's all right. I'll st- you know, it wins a win. So uh, I think it's been great, and it's awesome to see KD get a championship. And the way he played throughout the entire finals was just absolutely insane. Clay Thompson was a defensive monster, um, shutting down all three of their all stars uh, various times throughout the entire series. Um, so um, it was. It's been a, it's been a really fun ride. So it's it's been great. You know, there's nothing better than winning, even though I didn't contribute at all. <laughs> you did. You contributed with your eyeballs and your passion and your heart. Yes, uh, Jordan. Any 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 thoughts on 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 the NBA Finals and the, and the end of it? I thought it was a great ride. 
Oh yeah, I thought it was amazing. I, I mean, my two thoughts, the, my biggest takeaway is Steph almost averaging the triple-double. I mean, just to see him, I know he was kind of hurt last year, but I mean, he, he, he didn't underperform, I would say, in the previous two finals, but just watching him kind of like shed those demons a little bit and just, and just get to work and watching him hit that big kind of step back three over Kyrie in the corner in that game five, that, that to me was just a really great moment to watch for the $200 million man. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Agreed. His rebounding was crazy. Yeah, he had like, what did he average? Like seven rebounds, eight rebounds, something like that? Yeah. That? For his size, he's the smallest guy on the court. <laughs> well, you know, and then Steve Kerr, he kind of tasked him with it. You know, that was kind of the, you know, the task that he handed to him and said, you know, this is what we're really going to need from you in order to really dominate and, and make this happen in the finals. And I really need you to step up to the plate and contribute in this direction. And Steph did it. The great, the, my favorite part about Steph Curry always, and we talked about this before on the Goldcast, my favorite part about Steph Curry is that he has willed himself to this level. Unlike, you know, the Kobe Bryant's of the world, the Michael Jordan's of the world, the LeBron James of the world, like all those guys were slated from high school. They were kind of already deemed and crowned as future gods and Hall of Famers and champions of the NBA. And Steph was always really talented, but there was a lot of question about his health and his ankles early in his career. And it's just amazing to see Steph is, I think Steph to me, he kind of represents the everyman. He, he represents like the ultimate American dream. This guy was not the best. He wasn't the greatest. He wasn't deemed out of high school to be, you know, this dominant, unstoppable force. But through hard work, he has willed himself to a, uh, a good player, to a great player, to a Hall of Famer. And I think it's kind of incredible to see. And it's really inspiring for me to see as someone who's not only a big ath- uh, sports fan, but also a, an, an actor and an artist. It's amazing to see a, someone like Steph will himself through hard work and confidence and belief and time will himself to this level where now he's just this incredible incredible player and it will go down as you know arguably probably the greatest shooter of all time and it's just amazing because he just it, well, he wasn't there that that's not where he started but it's where he ended up and, it, and it, it, for me i look at him and i go well if he can do that anyone can do anything and i think that's i think for me that's the most inspiring inspiring part of steph's story is that if he can do that you can do anything as well. And, and I, I don't know. I think he just he embodies the American dream in terms of his success and the trajectory that he's taken. And it's, it's really, really inspiring. He's, the proof is in the pudding, man. It took, it took him six years to become an all-star. You know what I mean? So you keep working at it. You know, it'll happen. You just got just to gotta stay with it. Yeah, I mean, and also, too, like the injury thing, I think, is so key as as a Chicago boy and watching Derrick Rose decimate his whole life and career in the worst, saddest way. I mean, you talk about his angle injuries, and I think the year that he really came out, there's a great article on ESPN about, like, the the whole thing. I know this will sound so dumb, but they're like, his ankles are screwed up because his hips need to be stronger. And, like, watching him, like, take the time to redo his body – and there was some funny article about how like he can basically squat more than almost anybody on the team. And I don't know if that's true or if I'm misremembering that, but like the 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 kid like was like, okay, I gotta totally train differently. And Derek Rose broke all of his knees off because the kid didn't want to stretch. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I don't know, that that to me is also a part of that like discipline, not doing the flashy stuff and just like getting to work. Right. Yeah, I agree. There's a there was a little bit of like uh, with with uh, Derek Rose. I love Derek Rose. And I think Derek Rose is easily one of the greatest what if stories of the last decade, especially for Chicago. But I think Derek Rose had a little bit of that RG three stubbornness about him. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, RG3, how many times did, did you hear people telling RG3, slide, slide, quit trying to take hits. You're not big enough. You're not physically built to deal with the, the defensive onslaught of NFL players, and he wouldn't do it, and he just sustained injury after injury after injury, and really kind of always goes back to his own reckless, stubborn play, and I think there's a little bit of that going on with Derrick Rose, a little bit of that stubbornness where I think he thought that possibly his talent would override his uh, his physical inabilities, and it it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah, Michael Vick is the same way in terms of like he you know his preparation. He had very poor preparation, and as a result, you know thought his talents could take him um, could take him to distance, but it just didn't work out that way for Vick. Vick had a, a good career; he lasted in the NFL long, but he never fully realized the, the potential that everyone you know saw in him, and that's because he just you know thought he could get by on talent alone. It's true. Talent, t- talent starts it, but at the end, it's always going to be the work. The, the, difference, the difference between those who succeed and those who don't, it always comes down to the work. Talent is, especially at that level, when you're dealing with the prof- professional sports level, talent is no longer a barometer. Everyone's talented. Everyone's the greatest athlete from wherever they came from. Now, the difference is in the practice, in the discipline, in the field, in the work. Those who put in the most work will succeed, and those who don't will fail. Or they will not reach the mm-hmm. they will not reach their true potential. At at the end of the day, talent at that level is not a barometer. It's it's the standard. It's the basic foundation. Right. The work you put in that becomes the barometer. Mm-hmm. And I know. I mean, hey, I I know this is the the gold cast, but you know, to that credit, like LeBron was given the throne when he was in high school. But that that man puts in hours of work on his body and his game. And you know, I remember back in the Miami days when he was like, all right, I got to work on a post-up game and he became one of the most efficient players it had one of the most efficient seasons ever and it's like i i think that you know to to further your point it's like even if you are crown the king and you have all of these you have all these outs to say like oh no i can rest i'm good i am the best and to watch certain players i think that's why the nba has just become one of the easily one of the most popular sports in the world right now and is like the most freaking fun thing to watch because the talent level is nuts i agree you know and the nba the thing i really the thing i really like about the nba for instance i i'm a diehard nfl guy 49ers all day the the gold cast was originally built and founded on we used to be we were formerly called the 49ers gold cast originally when we were first created we were founded on 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 just 49er football and i love the nfl but the thing that i really like about the nba I feel like the players are more well behaved. The I feel like the commissioner genuinely cares about the sport and the players and is looking out for not only the best interest of the league but the best interest of the players as well. I don't know if a I don't know if an owner had said the racist remarks that uh, Sterling did for the Clippers if I can't say with 1000% confidence that Roger Goodell would have been like you're out, you're done, that's that's over. I, I can't say with 100% confidence Goodell would do. I don't really trust Goodell and I don't think anyone trusts Goodell. You can tell by the drafts by the booze at every draft that we have. But the NBA, not only is it a fun, exciting sport, it's very quick, it's very fast-paced, but the players conduct themselves in a manner that is far more respectful. We don't have nearly as many scandals in in, in the NBA as we do in the NFL. And I I feel like it's a there's a lot of um, what's the what's the word? There's a lot. Everyone's looking in the same direction, and and every there's a lot of passion and care and pride that's taken into how the sport is represented. And I think that says a lot about the NBA. And I think that's part of what makes it so exciting as a fan. Yeah, that's pretty 
pretty much sums it up, <laughs> I think. <laughs> All right, so let's couldn't have said into... it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only so, scandals we had are, are Draymond Snap Snapchat pictures <laughs> in Rio or wherever they were. Yeah, and then the occasional nut punch. Yeah, that's fine. That happens. Yeah, sometimes you got to punch a guy in the nuts. Yeah, if he steps over you like that, you can't let a man step over you. That was so two years or a year ago, but yeah. Oh, no, I'm still mad. I'm, I'm still really salty about that one. <laughs> I, I've said on the Goldcast before, LeBron James's three highlight reels from, from his entire NBA Finals uh, career is the, the block against, uh, against uh, Iguodala in Game 7 last year, then pushing Draymond Green down, and then Ray Allen's three. Those are like the three biggest plays he's had in all the fall. Hot take. Now that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm not wrong. That is true. That is accurate. Those things did happen. Those things did happen, and I feel like those are the three things that are talked about more often than any other thing he's done in in the finals are those three things over and over and over again. Can this be like a shady? I mean, I know you're the host, but this can this be like a shady segue into the fact that LeBron is the winner of free agency right now? Can we can we like talk about how this is my hot take? LeBron's the the winner of free agency. How break it down? Because the East is terrible. This you just you just signed Serge Ibaka. The Raptors signed Serge Ibaka. They got Kyle Lowry, and it's like they, I saw some article on ESPN that was like. It was like, will the Raptors take back the East and, or take the East for the first time? I was like, no. No. And Gordon no. Hayward, we have no idea where he's going to go. I, and even if he gets on the Celtics. So it's like you got rid of Paul George. You got rid of Jimmy Butler. You got, you got Dwight Howard in your conference. Like, well, like, congrats. It got worse. Like, LeBron's just sitting there going, like, of course I don't have to recruit free agents because I can walk back into the finals with with ease again. I'm mean, he'll play 55 games and it won't matter during the season. You're absolutely right. There's no challenge in the East. I was I was I was seeing another there was another LA, I mean and I'm sorry, ESPN article that was showing the 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 most wins but for it was like per player. I don't remember exactly how they came up with the stat, but it showed only 3 for the East and it was like 15 on the West. The West is so stacked. Super stack. Yeah, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is going to be. I think the, that was the one team that kind of intrigued me when they made the move for Paul George because that's kind of the big, a big piece that they're missing uh, on their team. I think he he fills a lot of voids because he can play both ways. He can score, um, and he can defend. So they need that bat. Okay, so let's get into that. So let's talk about let's talk about the two teams in the West that really bulked up and decided we're still going to go. We're going to go head straight for the Warriors, and that's the Houston Rockets and obviously uh, OKC, the Thunder. So we've got what? What do you think about Ray? Let's start because I know you want to talk about Chris Paul. So let's talk about Chris Paul. Chris Paul to the Rockets. What does that do? Obviously, Clippers are gone. Clippers is over. They're dead. Uh, I think the Clippers are definitely dead in terms – I mean, well, they were never alive in terms of uh, <laughs> playoff playoff contention. They could not get past the second round to save their lives. And, even, and signing Blake Griffin to a five-year deal just kind of ensures that they'll probably maybe be as good as, as, as one round, a one and done. Um, but Houston getting Chris Paul is a big boost for them because basically you get the best defending point guard in the NBA – 
who still can play at a really high level. He can also score, and he can distribute and doesn't turn over the same way that uh, James Harden does. So that frees up Harden to kind of focus on what he does best, which is just scoring and getting to the free throw line. Um, and so I think that's a really good move because you get a true distributor, even though Harden had a really good year playing the point guard role. Uh, Chris Paul's obviously far superior at it than, than him, and he's been doing it a lot longer. And he can defend. So you, you're going to mitigate. That means their turnovers are probably going to go down next season. And their defense is going to get better. But I still don't think that we, I've seen what Steph Curry can do to Chris Paul. And it, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Because that means that Curry is going to defend Chris Paul. And he not only defends him well, but also can but uh, Chris Paul can't defend Steph Curry. Which means that Clay Thompson's probably going to be on James Harden as he's been in the past, and we don't know that Clay Thompson is is just as good as Draymond Green on defense. So I just think it just doesn't do any doesn't do much. It, it makes them more competitive. They do they are a better team. They do pose a bigger threat. But I still don't think they're strong enough to get past the Warriors. Jordan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting the the Chris Paul move. I'm with you. I think the Clippers are done. I, I would go so far as to say that I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because you look at some of these other teams, or if they do, maybe the bottom because Redick is gone, and I just think that that they unless they sign someone big, which it doesn't really feel like there's anybody else out there. I, I think the Clippers are done. And then as far as the Rockets, my only thing is is the, both of those dudes they need the ball. Like the, I think part of the reason and Dean Tony came out and said it is they're giving James Harden the ball more. I mean, he, he had one of the highest usage rates behind, like, Russell Westbrook. And he, so I think there's just a little bit of, like, who's going to have the ball when it gets to crunch time, what's going to happen. And also, like, Chris Paul's kind of a dick. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> he has a reputation for that. Yes. And James Harden is kind of a softy at times. And so, it, you know, I think that there's – I think it'll there'll be bumps and bruises along the way. I think that they'll be fine in the end. I actually think with the addition of P.J. Tucker and, you know, some of these other things, Tony defensively, he kind of gets a little bit more shored up. Um, so I, I actually think unless the Spurs make a move, I think the Rockets are number two in the West. Like I think that they're going to be great. I, I just think it's going to be a really weird – negotiation and there may be some of those like KD Steph Curry moments at the end of the Christmas game where you're like who gets the ball and we got to figure out you know how one person can really make be themselves in a system in which two players thrive when the ball's in their hands so I just think that'll be a weird negotiation but I, I still think that they'll probably be second or third in the west I agree yeah, I, I think I, I, they stay they definitely stay within the top three yeah for sure I think now here's here's the one thing that I actually think works in their favor in particular, only in the post, James Harden is not a closer. And we have seen time and time again, he literally, he tends to buckle and shrink when it's on the line and the pressure is at its absolute apex. He he doesn't thrive in that environment. He's got a little bit of that Dwight Howard in him. He had to be benched two years ago for Houston's season to be saved. And so I, I think that, I think the thing, the one the one thing that I think is actually in favor for the Rockets is that, Chris Paul joining them, he doesn't shrink, and he 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 doesn't shrink away from that spotlight. And I think in that moment when it's all on the line and Harden just can't handle the pressure, Chris Paul's going to be there to handle it. And I think that's probably the best thing that happens. Like we we're talking, you're talking about that who gets the ball. Harden Harden doesn't want the ball, 
in that moment. He wants the ball when it's all easy, easy going, easy pie, no problem, smooth sailing. He's your dude. But then the second, it's crunch time. It's game seven. Two minutes left. Harden is nowhere to be found every single time. Nowhere to be found. And I think Chris Paul, Chris Paul is probably the best weapon to have at that moment because he will not shrink from the moment. And I will give him that one thing. I think that's the one thing that works in their favor. Do I think having Chris Paul still does it, does it make them better than the Warriors? No, not at all. No, it still still isn't enough. But but at least they have a closer now. Yeah, yeah. they're a better team. They're a better team for sure, but it's you know they just they kind of like stay right where they where they were last year. They're just like they're just like a smidge more efficient with Chris Paul, I think, because Harden can focus on scoring, Chris Paul can focus on scoring and distributing. So let's yeah. go to OKC. Let's talk about OKC, Jordan. What do you think about Paul George to OKC? Where do, where where does that put OKC going forward next year? Uh, I. I, I mean, I actually love the move. I think it's great. I, I mean, you end up paying – it might end up being a rental. That's the only thing that you can kind of look at is Paul George could walk next year. But, I mean, he makes – he's making $19 million a year. Oladipo is making twenty. So you're paying you're paying a million less this year. I think their problem is still the same, though. I mean, like, you, you picked up a great – I think, you, you know, you picked up a great two-way player – uh, defense, obviously, he can score better than Oladipo, so I think that you, you get a huge boost up front. Um, I just think it, it, the same thing. It's like when you saw Russell go sit on the bench, these teams didn't know how to handle. They, they just dropped off immediately. You saw them get buried when Russell was on the bench. And as much as you can distribute minutes, I still think they lack a ton of depth. Like I, I couldn't tell you they're sixth or seventh man. Can you guys? Like I don't know. Yeah. who's on that team? Ray, what do you think? Uh, I like the move. I think it's great. I mean, the the risk is that Paul George is coming off of an ACL tear, so you don't know what he's what his performance level is going to be coming forward. But I mean, NBA, unlike uh, uh, football, um, wait, I wait, feel wait, like say, ACL. Say Paul, Paul George. Paul George is – oh, no, I'm sorry. Not Paul George. I was thinking of Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay was coming off ACL turn, not Paul George. Um, sorry, mixing up my players. All good. Uh, Paul George to Oklahoma is is great because, you know, it gets, gives them a bump in offense and defense, and OKC needs that if they want to keep pace. But he's not necessarily going to be the game changer that Oklahoma City needs in order to advance. To They might be able to get to second round with him now, you know, especially if, they're, if they play someone like the Clips who suck uh, or, or the Pacers. But uh, but I but I, it's obviously not enough to beat the Warriors, you know, because Paul George would be is a role player. He's not like the guy that takes you to the next level. You know, uh, Westbrook is that guy, but he he doesn't defend very well and he turns over the ball. He's he's exactly like James Harden, only um, a little less. He, he has uh, less scoring volume. <clears throat> so here's the question going back. Uh, let's let's circle all the way back to the beginning and let's talk about the one team we haven't talked about yet, which is the Boston Celtics. They haven't closed anybody. So what's the deal? If I'm a Celtics fan, I would be so pissed. I actually snuck onto Bill Simmons' Twitter account and I looked at it and he tw- tweeted earlier today, I believe is when he tweeted, he said that he was his father was so mad and that he wanted uh, Danny Ainge run out of town. He was just so angry. I mean, is it is it is it now... Is it too early to say that 
they can't close on any of these trades and free agents? Like that that's where their issue is now? I mean, obviously they're doing they're, they've done great draft moves, but is it I mean, is it I think it's safe to say now that I mean they just can't close anything. I mean, Oladipo, Oladipo was traded. So what, what the, the Celtics don't have anyone on the Ola, Oladipo level? What do you guys think? Ray, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't think the Celtics are doesn't doesn't seem like the Celtics are going to make any the Celtics really could have used a guy like Paul George, I feel. And they kind of really messed up by not picking him up. Because I don't really know who's left. I mean, the, the Warriors are pretty much retaining everybody. And meanwhile, teams in the West seem to be getting better. And some of the teams that were believed to have been good, you know, or were projected to be good that never lived up to it, you know, i.e. the Clippers, um, are falling off the map and, you know, making room for other teams to come up. So San Antonio is still going to be there, but uh, they're too old. And uh, the new stars are not – well, actually, Kawhi Leonard, he's, he's a superstar. That guy can – he can take over a game. Um, that was that was evident in, uh, in the game where he got injured and uh, that led to us sweeping them. But uh, but and for the Celtics and the East overall, just I just don't see a whole lot happening over there. That's making things all that more difficult for LeBron James. Jordan, your thoughts? What do you think? Do you agree? Is it is it time to say that those guys cannot close the front office over there? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I do think that it may be time to say that. I mean, they missed out. You know, for the last couple of years, there was talk of Carmelo, there was talk of Blake. I mean, obviously, they got Horford. Uh, couldn't get Durant. So, I mean, I do. I think that there's like a, a, a good reason to believe that Ainge has a problem doing that. And to me, what it looks like from the outside is like, what are you like? What's your plan? Like, what are you doing? Like, obviously, it was rebuild, get assets. But the time has kind of come. You've competed the last two years pretty well in the East. Obviously, this last year going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's kind of, it's a little bit like, well, what what's your deal? Like, what's your plan? Are you are you still planning for the future? Or why are you not like, are you just waiting for LeBron to drop off? Like, I would love to see a little bit more. And obviously, Danny Ainge is probably playing some of the stuff close to the best. So but it's like where like just what is it that you want? Because you got so many young kids. You passed up on Markel Fultz so that you could keep, you know, Isaiah Thomas, who's 28, 29. Why are we, you know, are we trying to seize the moment now or are we still playing for three years from now? Because you got a bunch of free agents coming up. Uh, in the next couple years between Avery Bradley and and Marcus Smart, you got people who are coming off the books who are going to be paid a lot of money. So I just it's it's a little confusing to figure out, you know, I, it feels like they're planning for two to three years from now, as opposed to, you know, when LeBron's 34, 35, as opposed to like, let's try to make a run at it now, like Daryl Morey and the Rockets or Presti and the and the OKC. You know, it just it feels a little like, well, we're going to wait two, three years and make our fans suffer a little bit until then. <laughs> I agree. And I love it because I hate the Boston Celtics. So it's great. It's great to see. <laughs> but don't you want LeBron to be challenged? I do want LeBron. I, mean, I so want LeBron to be challenged. See, that's, that's, that's the twofold, right? Like that's the part that's easily the most frustrating is that there's no one to challenge LeBron in the East. That's the part that sucks, right? That there's just no that one there. annoys me. It annoys me because I'm tired of seeing LeBron go go in the in the in the East. I mean, it, it and part of it. First of all, it's really impressive. There's no denying it. That's very impressive on how many finals he's gone to in a row. And for some reason, the guy just cannot get injured. He's like superhuman. And but at the same time, 
I have to put an asterisk by a lot of those appearances just because there's no competition. He has a very easy road. He's much, much like the Patriots. Yeah, he has a very easy road. I mean, think about it. He is—he really has had no challengers the entire time that he's been in the East. The, the closest was, I would say, the Pacers, sort of, when they were at their apex when he was with the Heat, and then a little bit of the Boston Celtics the first couple years when he was with the Heat. But other than that, it, there really hasn't been much. The Celtics really had an opportunity this offseason to bulk up because I felt like they were the one team that could give them a challenge, and they just haven't done anything. So it's disappointing. If they, I think if they land Gordon Hayward, I, I think they become a really great regular season team like they always have been. Mm-hmm. But Gordon Hayward, and we saw it in the finals with Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant was the perfect foil to LeBron. LeBron had to guard him. Kevin was great at guarding LeBron. And it's like unless you find some sort of person like that, which is why I agree with you, Ray, that like Paul George would have been perfect because Paul George mm-hmm. – in that Pacer series, even though they got swept, he went after him a little bit or, or even Jimmy Butler. Like these are two guys that don't shrink from that. I just don't know if Gordon Hayward's really going to like go chest to chest with LeBron and even come close to, to winning. So I just, I, I don't know. I think they, I'm with you. I think they really missed out on, on players that could have been more effective, uh, to, to challenging LeBron in the East, but it's just, it's frustrating because, like, Paul George is going to beat up KD for a couple games this year. Chris Paul mm-hmm. and the are going to be harder against – I'm not saying, like, woe is me to the Warriors because, obviously, we have Kevin Durant and we can be $40 million in the luxury tax. But it's, like, it's just – it's frustrating to be like, all right, well, let's just – let's lay out the red carpet for LeBron again to the finals. And it somehow got way easier. Like, it got easier. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. did. It actually got easier. So I guess this begs the, the question at this point uh, – are, are we back to Warriors Cavs four? And how boring <laughs> does that sound? I think that sounds so boring. I'm I, I want to see the Warriors back. I just don't want to see Warriors Cavs four. Yeah, we've already won the rubber match, so I'd rather just see a new challenger and then just beat the crap out of them. No, I'm I'm no no no. I like it. I like Warriors four because and I'm saying this because I'm named after Michael Jordan and he's the greatest and he will always be the greatest. And LeBron, if you're listening, you'll never be better than Michael Jordan. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you gotta I, win six. You gotta win six to do it, and you can't lose. And he's already lost five. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Is let's go back. Let's run it back. That's fine. Run it back with four years in a row, and then LeBron will get his butt kicked, and KD will have two championships in a row. And we can all we can all put the whole conversation aside that LeBron will never be as good as Michael. So you know what? I'm, I hear what you boys are saying. It's boring, but I'm saying run it back just so we can we can put LeBron's legacy safely in the number two or number three spot as greatest of all time, and Michael can stay on top. Jordan, that might be the greatest thing you've ever said on the Goldcast. <laughs> right there, that might be the greatest and thing you've, you've ever said. And you've only been on one episode. So <laughs> only been on one episode. Impressive. Yeah. But you know what? That was that is very uh, for all of our 49er gold cast. We, you know, we had many talks leading up to Brady winning his fifth about Joe Montana versus Brady. And I I'm with you. If he loses the amount of finals that Michael Jordan has won, it is impossible. It is impossible yeah. to say that he is better or at the same level. He can't lose the amount of finals that Michael Jordan has won, and I'm with you. Let's make sure he loses the amount of finals that Michael Jordan has won. Yeah, that is that's a pretty sweet uh goal. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't argue that, right, Ray? That's pretty good. No, it is good. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to move on to some San Francisco Giants stuff. Jordan, thank you so much for being on the show. Don't be a stranger. You definitely have to come back soon. Of course. Yes, thank you guys. Sure. Really fun. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Thank you. See ya. See ya. Okay, Ray. So at the beginning of this week, we were going to talk Giants, and we were going to talk about how horrific they were, and we still need to talk about that. But then, of course, now here we are a week later, and the Giants swept the Rockies and have now won six in a row. So let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about where we are right now with the Giants, and just in general, their general suckiness, and then this microscopic microcosm of success. What do you have to say about all of that? Well, the, this first half of the season has been super frustrating because I don't. I'm not going to believe. I know baseball players are really superstitious. Um, I don't believe in any of that crap. You know, I, I do think it's a very rhythmic game. It's a very long game, and I know it's very grueling. And I know that because of the length, players, baseball players are superstitious because it's so long and slow that it's very easy for players to sort of get in their own heads and to, you know, perpetuate, you know, streak, you know, losing streaks uh, as well as winning streaks and all that kind of stuff. So I understand that there's a psychological element to baseball that's unique to baseball, unlike basketball and uh, and football, which are much more fast-paced, uh, although ba- basketball is a pretty long season too. But I think the pace of basketball allows for less of that that psychological sort of disruption um, because it's because of its pace, whereas baseball doesn't. So, but But the Giants, I just don't understand why – They've been playing so bad, and I've been trying to figure out what the problem is because there's, in my opinion, there's no excuse. Everybody's healthy. There was the worst. There was some some DL, some minor DL stuff in the beginning of the year, where but it was like little stuff, like guys on seven day, guys on three day, guys on ten day. You know, nothing that was like really substantial until Bumgarner stupidly got into a, a motorcycle accident. But when you think about it, it's like. You have a bunch of all-stars, multiple all-stars on this team that are all in their still in their prime age of athletic performance. And it'd be a different story if they were all old. But because the fact that they're all young, I'm just like, okay, these guys are all in their prime. So why is everyone playing like crap? Like what what's the reason that the whole team has just been like shit all year? And we brought up some of the young guys from our farm leagues, and they've done okay. None of them have really kind of stood out, you know. And we kind of, but you know, we have. I think Denard Span is not a true leadoff. That that hurts us because you want a guy who has a really high average, and Denard Span is just not that guy. He's he's old and he's good. He's he's like a, I would put him in the latter half of the lineup, not in leadoff, in my opinion. But I I just don't get it, you know. Um, the games are really frustrating to watch because the Giants can sort of self-inflict their self-inflicted wounds where the bullpen plays terribly. We paid a bunch of money for an all-star closer. He hasn't been all that great. And there was, you know, rumors talking about how he wasn't getting along in the clubhouse. Uh, I don't know how much truth there is to that, you know, because we don't, we don't know for sure when we'll never know. Cause we're not in the clubhouse, but, um, but I don't know. So a, a, a part of me thinks wants to start to point the finger. Cause you're like, you, who do you point the finger to? You have that, when you have that much talent, in terms of pitching, in terms of your 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 infield, in terms of your bats, when you have that much talent and you're still losing and you're at you're in last place in the league, I think the only place left to look at is management. So like this team is not being managed good enough because if you have this much talent and you're in last place, there's no excuse. Especially if they're all when they're all young, they're all young. Most of them are young. 
So there's no excuse for it other than just bad management. So I don't know. But, okay, but so they have talk- once. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's, say, let's talk about that because, you know, as, as the Goldcast knows, I live in Los Angeles and I love Los Angeles, but I hate the Dodgers. I absolutely hate the Dodgers. And, of course, when you live in Los Angeles and you're a San Francisco Giants fan, you're a San Francisco native, you got to hear a lot of crap from Dodger fans. And, of course, the, the thing they love throwing at me this year going, hey, man, might be time to blow it up. Might be time to get rid of Bochi. Might be time to get rid of Bochi. And I've been like, screw you. We're never getting rid of Bochi. He's won his, he, he, he gave us a dynasty. He's at least earned at least a couple more years. So, Raymond, hearing you say that, a diehard Giants fan, the greatest fanalist I know on the planet, Raymond Solis the first from the Goldcast, the greatest fanalist I know. Is is it is it possible? Is Bochi losing his grip? I mean, you know, you know how I was, how upset I was in the playoffs, game four against Chicago. We pulled the rook out in the ninth inning. You leave that kid in, you let him finish the game. If we finish that game, we go to game five and we beat the Cubs. I don't care what the Cubs say. I'm glad Jordan's already gone, so he doesn't hear this. I don't want to hear an argument from him. <laughs> but if we go to game five. And you've got Cueto starting Bumgarner as possible relief. We win game five. And if we win game five, I'm telling you right now, the entire MLB lays down and dies and we win the World Series again. I'm stepping off my soapbox. But still, that that's where I that's where I'm at. That's how I feel. And I was I really thought the mood the 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 when when Boach made the pitching change in the ninth, I thought it was the Dumbest, you three more outs. Give him, give him at least the first out and see what happens. But we had, we had, was it thirty-two blown saves last year? Thirty-two, right? Thirty-three. Right? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. And how did we between lose? Between thirty-three, season, thirty-three between ten different pitchers. And and how did we? How do we do it? We blew the save once again. Our relief could not be trusted. So Bochi, with the game on the line, three outs left. Our kid is killing it. Why would you pull him out of the game? God, I'm still so mad about this. Can you tell? I'm still so angry about I that. But I, so so why do you pull him? Okay, so now let's fast forward to now, because I love me some Bruce Bochi, and I'll be the first guy on the Goldcast to defend. Bruce Bochy. I This is not a bash Bruce Bochy hot take. I'm not going into that road, but I'm asking you, Raymond. All right, so let's go back to this. Well, wait, well, wait. Let me let me ask you because I went off on on what my thoughts of the season was. Well, how's it been for you? What what's the season been like for you? And who do you point the finger to? See, I, I man, that's a tough question. I, I I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss for words. You know why? Because every. Everything that, okay, you're saying it and a lot of other people are saying it. And maybe as I'm sitting here on the Goldcast self-analyzing myself, mm-hmm. maybe it comes down to the fact that maybe I'm just not ready to say that it's Bruce Bochy's fault. And maybe I'm being maybe I'm being a Giants, you know, like when I go, you guys are being faithful when we talk about Brian Hoyer or something, quarterback in the 49ers next year. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being blind to the fact that maybe Boch has, has lost a little bit of, of his grip on this team. You know, and maybe I just don't, maybe I'm just mm-hmm. not seeing it because I'm kind of at a loss for words. And, and you're right. When you lay everything out and when you look at everything that the season has, as it's gone, as it has kind of the one thing you're left with is Bruce Bochy and the management, uh, his coaching staff and the management of this team. And I mean, I, maybe I'm just not, maybe that is it. It, it, it is, it, it, you said it. We have a bunch of all-stars that are 
in their primes that have been ve- coming off very successful seasons, and for some reason there is a big disconnect. Now they won six in a row, so and there's still a lot of baseball left. We're not even at the All Star break, so who knows? You know, you can never say never in baseball. There's a lot of baseball left, and you know, there's a lot of games, and uh, uh, things can change dramatically very quickly. Colorado Rockies lost like eight in a row. So, mm-hmm. you know, so there it is. So things can change quickly in baseball. And baseball is a very streaky sport with a lot of emotion. It's such a weird sport. So, yeah, I guess the, the long and short of it is I, I don't really have an explanation. But it feels like the reason I don't have an explanation is because if I actually looked at it, maybe it's the coaching staff. What do you think? I think so. I don't know. I think so. I mean, think about this. Boach's health has not been good. Um, he's had health issues, so he's not, you know, he's he's getting to he's he's in the twilight of his coaching career. You know, I I just don't know if he's that if he can just last the way he's, you know, if it, I don't know if he's in it the way he used to be because um, he's just not healthy. So he's not 100 percent. He's not the same coach he was, you know, when he when he first took us there in 2010, he's not, you know, that's just a fact. And I think health is part of it, part of the the concern and because it's a long season. And I know that, uh, Boach puts in a lot of time and effort. He's arguably the best manager of this decade. So I'm not trying to take away anything from what he's accomplished with this team, but at the same time, he is, you know, nearing the end of his run with this team. And, that might be one of the reasons why we're seeing, you know, it's, uh, we're not we're not seeing this team gel, although they have gelled as of late. But we don't know how long that gelling is going to last. You know what I mean? You you at, at this point in the season, if you don't have a winning record, first of all, if you're like the Dodgers, I don't know if the Dodgers are going to maintain this level like this. They're 33 and 11 at, on at home. They're 22 and 18 on the road. They have winning records on the road and at home. I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain that into the playoffs and make a run. Because baseball, you want to you want to finish strong in the second half. You don't want to dominate in the first half because it's so it's such a long season that there's a good chance that you're going to tank out in the latter half of the season. I've seen it happen time and time again. I've seen it happen to the to the A's. I've seen it happen to the Giants. I've seen it happen to other teams as well. So I just don't know. But uh, and you know we see that already. Colorado's tanking. I don't know how long they're going to tank, and the Giants seem to be surging, but the Giants are 33-51, and 51, so we have a long road to get to. I mean, Jordan should feel good about his Cubs, even though he said the season sucks. They're 41-41. and 41. They're right where they need to be at the All-Star break, so you want to be that team because now's the time to turn it up because August, August and September are the months that matter for baseball the most. But in terms of the Giants, um, I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It it could, you know, you're right. It is streaky. So this this could be the beginning of something of them kind of figuring figuring themselves out and putting it all together. But we'll just have to wait and see. We know Cueto is going to opt out of his contract at the end of the year. You know, it so sucks, part of that which totally yes. sucks. He's such a beast. You put you put Cueto on the any of the Giants teams between 2010 and 2014. We probably have a fourth chip just on him alone. Mm-hmm. So we know that we're going to lose a big ace at the end of the year and part of it's probably because we're not doing good if we were doing better he'd probably have more incentive to stay i think that's exactly why he's leaving i think that's exactly in fact in fact him already stating before the midway of the season that he wants to opt out of his contract that that already hitting the bleacher report and all the you know all the sheets mm-hmm. uh, to me it speaks of 
it is it's saying without saying that there is some dysfunction on that team and Cueto doesn't even want to be a part of it. He is already saying he's going to opt out before the middle of the season, Ray. What does that right. say? What does that say about where the Giants are? So what's happening in that clubhouse? What is happening? What's going on? There's trouble and in paradise. Trouble in paradise. And the idea, I have to admit, the idea, now I'm going to get sports fan on you. The idea of Bochi losing his grip. The idea that Bochi is losing his touch, it breaks my heart. Yeah, it does suck to see, but you know, all good things must come to an end. Even even the things that, that we like the most. So even coaches lose their grip, just like athletes, you know. But here's the thing. The thing is that these these guys are still in their prime. So whoever takes over is gonna be taking over a winning team. Like the you know, the same thing like w- when Steve Kerr took over for, for uh Mark Jackson. He took over a playoff team. You know what I mean? So whoever comes in is going to take, you know, going to be taking over for a playoff contending team. Okay, this is so a team let's... that's expected to be in there. We're we are we are the Yankees of the West. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's 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 talk about that then. End of the year, let's say the Giants don't even get to the playoffs, right? Because that mm-hmm. that's that's a, that's a that's a likelihood given how far back we are, right? One of the worst teams in the MLB right now. Giants mm-hmm. don't make the playoffs. Does Bochi does Bochi get cut loose? I doubt it, but um, I think it should be on the table. We are well, we are the be- second we are the second worst team in all of baseball, next to the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, you know it it is it is well it is possible that Bochi steps down. That's possible. Do you agree? Yeah, I could see him doing something like that. He's one three. He's 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 a. One thousand percent shooing for the Hall of Fame. There's, there's no question. Mm-hmm. You know, e- like you said, arguably, easily the greatest manager of this decade. I, 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 I say arguably out of you know in a in an attempt to feign humility when in reality there, there it isn't even arguably. He want he has a dynasty. He has a dynasty. He had the right. misfits in 2010, and then they had he had the same the almost the same exact group crew for 2012 and 2014. Greatest. Greatest performance by a pitcher ever. Seven game series against the Royals. Madison Bumgarner. You cannot you cannot question it. And the moves he made during that entire series, which was easily our toughest World Series win to date. The the moves he made were masterful. He was he was just a he he was like Bobby Fischer on on a chessboard. Right. So so I guess all of that is for me to just say he has nothing to prove at this point. You know, he has nothing to prove. He he could he if he left if he left now, in my opinion, he would still be leaving on top, not even on the bottom. He'd be leaving on top with a dynasty. Yeah, he'd just, he'd still be leaving on a high note, but he just you know he just time to, to hang up hang up the glove. Well, just not just doesn't seem to be able to get it done with well, all that you talent. Know, you know as well as I do, athletes rarely tell a sport when they're done. Sports most of the time tell athletes that they're done. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go the other way around. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Uh, maybe maybe this is the final days of Bruce Bochy. Uh, I, I don't like thinking about it. It really bugs me. I think that he, uh, you know, it's just a fan in me. It's just, it's just a fan in me. We are, Raymond, today is Sunday, July 2nd. We are four weeks out from football. I cannot wait to start talking about football. We, uh, we're, I'm going to save it, but. How excited are you? Very quickly, very quickly, so we got to go. How excited are you for this season for the 49ers? Very excited because uh, because 
Mike Shanahan and John Lynch are, you know, are the most intriguing. Kyle. Kyle. Sorry, Kyle Shanahan and uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are the most intriguing, you know, GM coach coaching pair uh, that's in the NFL right now. And I'm not saying it just because I'm a fan. I'm saying it because it's a very unique situation that happened where, you know, we were a team that not only needed a coach, but also needed a GM. And we seem to have knocked it out of the park thus far. And now it's time to kind of see how it all comes together. And come together it shall. Especially once we get rid of Brian Hoyer. But that's a conversation for later on this <laughs> month. <laughs> uh, Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at RaySolise as well as Instagram at RaySolise1. Boom. You can find me at Rudy Solis 3rd Rudy Solis 3rd Instagram, Twitter. Follow me. I'll follow you back. Let's keep the conversation going. Goldcast Nation. We're in the lull of the season, of, of the sports calendar, but that's okay. We're still here to talk the biggest, the best, the brightest. Here we go. San Francisco, Bay Area, seven championship appearances, five rings, one in every sport. It is great to be a San Francisco sports fan. You're listening because you like the biased opinion of the Goldcast. Here we go. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time. Same gold cast channel. Boom! This is, is the gold cast.